Hello, everybody. Welcome to Devil's Tailgate, presented by Devil's Insiders, a New Jersey Devil's Game Day podcast alongside Dave Turner. I'm Jeff O'Connor. Wow, it is hard to believe we have reached the finish line of the 2016-2017 season. Uh, and the Devils uh, playing in game number 82 tonight. They will take on the Detroit Red Wings. The Devils, of course, losing to the Islanders in their home finale last night. And we'll get to some of that stuff along the way here, but... We want to open the show by thanking a lot of people. You know, we got we got presented this opportunity late in the summer. We thought it was a great opportunity, not just for us, but I thought for the Devils organization as well, where, you know, they've been evolving so much digitally uh, over the last few years, and you know, they started to do, you know, some Facebook Lives, and their Twitter and their Facebook have really taken off, and, you know, this was an area that uh, they were looking maybe to improve on. You know, we... We kind of came to a, an agreement, an opportunity with them to, to do this show for the season. Uh, and it's been fun. It's, it's been an absolute blast getting a chance to, uh, not just for us personally, for, for an opportunity. Uh, you, know, you know, we've been talking that we've been doing a, a similar style show uh, on, our, on our, personal, uh, our personal accounts for, what, just about a year now. And, you know, we kind of arrived at this, and we thought it would be great to give fans uh, something to listen to for every game day to get them pumped up. You know, there's, uh, there's there's such an underserved area for Devils hockey. It was cool to get a chance to do this and, uh, you know, and to bring it to the fans, too, because the fans deserve more than they get in the traditional media market around here. You know, we've talked about it. They're a little bit underserved when it comes to radio, TV, maybe not so much in print because the uh, – you know, they're, they're covered pretty well in, in the newspaper, but, but radio and TV, they're a little bit underserved when there's not when there's not games going on. So it was a blast to get to do this, uh, not just for road games, but the home games as well. And it was great to get a chance to talk to some of the guys. And, we, you know, we got to talk to most of the guys this year, and especially the guys that uh, should be here for a long time or guys who were, who were new to the team, who we were, who were still learning about and who we were still going to be learning about over the next the next few years, just want to take a chance to, to thank some people. Uh, first, the Devils PR staff, who were uh, unbelievably good to us, you know, uh, grabbing players for us afterwards, working with us, and, um, you know, they've, they've got so much on their so much on their plate, you know, dealing with the, the media, the TV crews for, uh, you know, they deal with the radio crews, getting them some, some sound bites before and after their games. The TV, uh, the Devils do so much stuff on TV if you watch the Devils uh, you know, pre post game shows during the games, there's so much good content in there that they they film. So, uh, so not only are the PR guys there dealing with TV, radio, uh, and you know the main newspaper guys who are covering them, you know, to take time out of their day to to grab us a player uh, that was very kind of them. So, we want to thank you know Pete Albeats, who um, you know who we got to meet right before the season started. Very nice man, and, you know, helped us along the way, and the rest of his crew, James Stolfi, Scott Litwack, those guys were good to us all season, very helpful, and um, pretty much any request we had for them, they got to us. So we, we thank them. Brian Fisher, who does public relations uh, for the Prudential Center. On some days where uh, Pete James and Scott were busy uh, or everybody else was running around, he was able to help us. Uh, he was able to help get us players, so we thank him uh, for his help over the season. Uh, Brian Bourne, um, Richard Herring, who helped, who helped kind of, we helped, helped kind of get us in a flow and a rhythm of, uh, you know, not only just doing the show, but then get, you know, distributing it to everyone, everyone having a chance to kind of take it in and, and consume it. And you know, early on, we were, you know, 
we, we really, they helped us evolve it, you know, not only just getting it out on social media, but then, you know, putting it in a place where you could find all the episodes easily. So they did, they did a great job with that. Uh, Chris Wallace, who originally gave us the opportunity, who we talked to over the summer, uh, very easy to talk to, um, you know, gave us an opportunity and, and let us be, you know, when we did the show, you've heard the show, you know, we don't, uh, we can, we kind of shoot it as is. We, we're not, we're not a team mouthpiece. You know, we don't, we don't take the line one way or another. You know, we, we're, we're pretty much right down the middle. I thought we were fair when the team was good and we were fair when the team was bad. And, uh, Chris gave us not only the platform to do this, but he said for us to be ourselves, which was very cool. You know, some other places, some other teams, you might not get that. You might have to be a little more, uh, lenient towards the team. He, he kind of let us sh- shoot it as was. So, uh, we appreciate that. Uh, Dave, I know you're someone you wanted to mention. I'll let you take the, take the reins on that. Uh, cause he, he was very good to us as well. And he got us on the pregame show. So I'll let you take, uh, take the reins on that one. But, uh, we want to thank the devils for the opportunity because, uh, it was not a great opportunity just for us personally. It was a great opportunity to get involved with the fans and, you know, to, to give the devil, to give devils fans something forward, looking forward to, to listen to besides just reading the, you know, the bits on the blogs, uh, on the pregame to not only hear, uh, just some news and notes, but to also get an opinion on the team, you know, for every game day, you know, it was a great opportunity for us. And uh, hopefully the fans felt the same way. Absolutely, Jeff. And, and just to kind of, to finish out what you were saying there, you know, this, this was an opportunity that, you know, we were, we were very grateful for because we, we got to kind of give fans something that hadn't really been done before, at least from the team. And, you know, we have our other show and all that, but I think, Throughout the year, you know, as this developed, you know, it really found its voice and, you know, and that kind of thing. But as you said, also, you know, the one person I wanted to specifically thank is Matt Lachlan. I, I think he has been someone who's been a mentor to us and, and kind of always was there to talk with us uh, after practice and everything. He had us on the pregame show. Uh, he, he, he's just been a big help. But all the people who you mentioned, every single one of them. Jeff, they all played a role in this, whether it was, you know, Chris getting us started or, or, you know, Pete helping us out and everyone else. And, and, you know, it's a team effort. And and what makes me most excited about this, Jeff, is that I think this is just the very tip of the iceberg that what we created this year could morph into so much more that this could be something that, you know, when we look back at this in a couple of years, we think, wow, that's, that's where we started. And now this is where we are. So I think that's what makes me really excited is that, they gave us a chance, which we're extremely grateful for. And I think now we have the possible ability to take this next year or whatever and do more with it. And that's really exciting because I, I think really when it boils down to it, Jeff, you know, we were able to kind of just give a, a new way to, to, to talk together and, and have that, that, that chance to really do something different in terms of what the team does. And, you know, to your point, I think the biggest thing is that they let us be ourselves. And that was really important that we could have opinion on a, on a team platform. And that's not easy. And that's something that wouldn't have happened under previous ownership uh, and, and previous other people who have been here. And probably if you, if you polled a lot of the teams in professional sports, they still might not be okay with that. But I think it's important because, you know, the sports are about having opinions, and, and, and it was a really great opportunity, and, and I can't wait to see uh, what next year holds for us. Amen, sir. So, again, thank you to, to everyone we mentioned, and I'm sure there were some other people in there who were helped with the product who might be listening to this. So uh, many thanks to all of you. Okay, let's talk hockey. And, you know, we're not going to talk about the game yesterday. You, you know, most of you saw it. You, you saw it happened. There's really no need to dig into the game. But the stuff with Patrick Eliash, absolutely 
tremendous. Um, you know, they, they did they, they did a really nice job with this. And, uh, you know, you know, at first I wasn't sure about this whole last lap thing, but it seemed like everyone took to it pretty well. It seemed like Patty really enjoyed it. I thought I was a little worried that there wasn't going to be a whole lot of people in the building, but the Devils and the fans really filled up that side of the rink that the Devils practice on. I, I think when you know when you looked at it from all the angles you saw on the the pregame show or, or any of the pictures you see online, it seems like from you know one side of the blue line and then wrapping all the way around the corners to the other side of the blue line where the devils practice, it seemed like it was pretty packed. So at least that, uh, that made me very happy because, you know, last thing, you know, we would have wanted is, you know, this all to happen and then there being, you know, a thousand people watching warm up. So that was very cool. So the devils did a nice job with that. Uh, and I'm sure Patty enjoyed it as well. It looked like he was smiling, having a good time out there and, you know, took the first lap by himself. So that was pretty cool to see. And, you know, it, it seemed like everyone had a good time with that. And then, uh, I, I thought what was even cooler, to be quite honest, and, and that was ended up pretty being pretty neat, as I mentioned, with the fans all being there, as many as there were. Him coming out to, you know, right right before face-off, him coming out again and waving a stick, that was cool because it, it could have been anticlimactic. You know, him just leaving the practice ring could have been, you know, like, oh, okay, well, that's it. And, and not everyone was in the building. This way, pretty much everyone, you know, at face-off time, what, of the people who are coming, you've got 85 90% of the people already in the building. So uh, even the fans who didn't either didn't know or, you know, just didn't want to come in that early, uh, they all got to see him again. So he came out, waved a stick, in full uniform, the whole bit. Uh, and then for him to do the ceremonial puck drop, I thought was a really nice touch. And then, of course, the one, the coolest part of it, is he didn't know his wife and two daughters were going to come out. Uh, so he, so he's, so they're coming out, and and you could see Patty's raw reaction. He's like, "Oh my gosh!" Like he didn't know it was happening, and he didn't he didn't know that was happening. And then as they all get as they you know they all pull up to to center ice, you know everybody's wiping away him, his wife. They're wiping away tears, you know. And then some of the the Devils, uh, some of the senior veteran guys on the team, you know, come out and they they hug and kiss uh, Patrick's wife, and um, you know and they hug Patrick as well, and then. I mean, whoever thought of this, whether it was on the Islander side or whether it was specifically requested by Patrick or someone else, to have Steven Gianta take the opening. You know, normally the you see the, the captains do the, the ceremonial puck drops when it's being dropped by, you know, a special VIP, a firefighter, someone like that. You normally just see the captains from both teams, which is cool. And, that, and that's, you know, the way it should be. That's part of the duties, the responsibilities. Uh, but whoever passed that, uh, you know, that opportunity, that responsibility to Steven Gianta, whoever came up with that, absolutely brilliant because he played so many years with Patrick, whatever it was, you know, five, uh, six seasons with Patrick Eliash, to have him go out there and, boy, how adorable was Steven Gianta coming out there and not only uh, – hugging and kissing Patrick's wife, but to his little daughters as well. That was adorable little moment. And I know they did the ceremonial puck drop. So that was great. And then Patrick had, you know, one last opportunity with pretty much everyone in the building to, you know, wave his stick. You know, I think he pounded his chest a few times to wave to everyone. So Dave, that was a unbelievable moment. I I thought it was really well done. I was a little skeptical about it because I was afraid there was only going to be a few, a few people in the building during warmups, but warmups ended up, looks like it was, you know, pretty well attended, better than I thought, so I thought that was great, and then I don't, I don't think it was planned for him to go out to center ice right before puck drop, but they did that, and I thought that was even more perfect, and I thought it tied together really well, and uh, now with all that in the books, I can't wait to, to be there for his jersey retirement uh, whenever it is next season. Yeah, really, that, that certainly certainly makes you excited right away for next year, 
just because you. Re- I think it. What it did is it. It. it reawakened every bit of emotion you have towards Patrick Elias. And, and certainly, I think we've all been not afraid to say that, you know, whether shedding a tear or, or just being really emotional about it. I think it, it made you remember everything that he meant to you. And, and as fans, what we saw and and how much enjoyment he brought as a member of the Devils. And it kind of, you know, you thought about it again. And it's also different where... All the other guys who have had retired numbers, I mean, not that they aren't fantastic, but goaltender, defenseman. This is a little different with the guy who is, you know, putting the puck in the net. It's just a little bit of a different feeling to it where, you know, this is a guy that finished off the play and, and that kind of thing and or, you know, had an assist or anything like that. So, I don't know. They're, they're just a really special feeling with this. And I thought th- that the whole thing was fantastic where he got to come out. Everyone was so excited and surprising him with his wife and children out there was spectacular. And again, as you said, with Gianta out there, uh, it's perfect that it worked out that way. I guess if it was another team that wouldn't have had someone that, that knew him and all that and, and certainly played you know, a few years with him. But you, you couldn't ask for anything more. And I think for Patrick, it, it seemed... Like the exact, you know, even even Jeff and I were talking about that. We thought, oh, you know, maybe he could have tried to play. I don't know. But I think this was perfect after seeing it, that he was kind of a low-key guy. He's a family guy. And at the end of the day, he got to come out. He got to skate around. Everyone got to, you know, cheer him on one more time. And then his family was out there with him, and that was it. And I think that's exactly who he is in a nutshell kind of and and it just worked and and again I was kind of wondering about how it was going to be at first and I'll admit I thought it was spectacular and and the video tribute and everything to him was great uh I I can't wait for the the jersey retire I almost I I can't wait and I can wait at the same time because I don't want that finality of another another jersey retirement you know it's kind of nice to look forward to them I guess because once they're up there um unfortunately it doesn't mean you're going to see these guys in that capacity again, but a fantastic job by everyone involved, and, and it was great to see Patrick sent off uh, this way. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. A perfect way to, to close the season before the game started. And I guess, Dave, let's – but you know, before we talk about the, the game with the Red Wings and all that, let's – I guess let's kind of recap the season because this will be the last time we talk to everyone on this on this platform. So let's talk about the season that was and, you know, We'll see what happens with the last, you know, game, whatever it was. But the Devils, through 81 games, went 28, 39, and 14. Um, you know, you look you look at the way this team went this year, Dave. I, I think, you know, the expectations were so much higher. You, you bring in a guy like Taylor Hall, who's a bona fide goal scorer, and you, you lose Adam Larson. I think we thought the trade-off would be, okay, if the defense, you know, and the, and, the, and that, I think that was the point of all this when when they made that deal, is that the Devils' defense over the year, not that it's been interchangeable parts, but you know, there's been guys, there's been stars who have left, there's been all stars who have left, or very good players who have left, and the Devils for the most part have really plugged and replaced pretty well to where they didn't lose a lot because last year they were what a top ten scoring defense. I think when the move for Taylor Hall came, I uh, I think everyone thought okay. Well, they're not going to be as good defensively, but if if they can find the right guys to plug and replace, and, and you know if they can kind of just continue on the way they've been the last bunch of years, you know the defense really has never been an issue. I think, at least in my world, I thought okay, as long as they're a you know a, a top fifteen scoring defense or they're they're middle of the pack somewhere, 
then they'll be fine. And then I think they'll be a playoff team. Well, unfortunately, that wasn't the case this year. You know, they were down in the bottom 10 of scoring defense this year. And unfortunately, the goal scoring really didn't take off that much either. There was um, there was some injuries along the way. There were some guys who got started late. There, you know, there were, and there was a little bit of rookies infused on this team as well. And, uh, you know, Corey Schneider, who has played much better uh, of late, but even he's, you know, he's had some not so great games lately, but he had that a month and a half, two month funk. Uh, you know, that's the thing, you know, you way, you way you look at things, things can add up quickly. The power play wasn't as good as last year by a, a good, a good little bit. The penalty kill wasn't as good last year by a significant amount. You add that up, the power play not being as good, the penalty kill not being as good. Uh, you know, Corey Schneider having, you know, you know, I guess you would call it human type games uh, for a month, two months. The defense not just taking a step back with the loss of Adam Larson, they took several steps back, and you know they really struggled from mid-November on. There was moments where they played better, and you know John Hines kind of tweaked things a little bit and adjusted, and, and the team looked a little better offensively, and the scoring didn't take off either. You know, if, if the if you had the power play and the penalty kill clicking like they were last year. You know, maybe they're maybe they're somewhere in the 80s in points. Maybe they're not that far off from where they were last year. So I think it was a, a few of the combinations of things. And you know, all that said, you know, this team's going to finish whatever the number is. You know, 70 uh, some points here. It's not like they're crazy far off from last year. Again, we always mention it. You know, the difference between you know a few points each year. You know, between five and eight points this each year is is a bounce of the puck. It doesn't even have anything to do with the way you the way you play, at least that's the way I always feel. You know, if it's a handful of points difference, it's normally a few bounces of the puck. It doesn't even have to do with the way you're playing. I don't think the Devils were that far off from where they were last year. You know, the power play, penalty kill took big steps back. The defense really took a hurting from the loss of Adam Larson. Adam Larson, I think everyone thought they'd be able to at least survive it or maybe just take one step back, not several steps back. And the offense never really got off either. And some guys who had career years last year, um, you know, didn't didn't produce the same type numbers. So it was a perfect storm of things that kind of added up to this, whatever it's going to be, 70, 71, 72 point season. But again, there's some, there are some right guys here. It seems like there's some right guys coming up the pipeline and there is opportunity at the expansion draft. So I know people are down and they're upset about, you know, the fifth straight year of no playoffs. But again, there's some, there's some right pieces on this team. And some guys had some down years that maybe can rebound, and it seems like there's help on the way. So while this year wasn't that great, Dave, in terms of production, there was some good. There was a few good things to take out of this. We got to see, you know, John Quenville. We got to see what Stevenson Santini can do. Miles Wood looks like he's a he's a guy who's going to be here. So there was some good out of the season, and there should be help on the way. Reinforcements, be it at the expansion draft, be it at free agency, be it at the draft itself, be it trades. Or, or maybe learning some more about some other guys come developmental and training camp as well. So, uh, you know, we're staying on the optimistic train for the most part here. Um, but this is, you know, obviously, you know, we all thought they would be a little bit better than they were this season. I know some people had them pegged in the 80s. Some people thought they'd be in the 90s for points. It didn't turn out that way. But I think if we can all stay on the optimistic train here, you know, there's still plenty of room for improvement. And I think there's guys in the way who are going to help towards that improvement as well. There, there are certainly a lot of things to point out from this season, and I guess maybe I'll start with the the good uh, that is that I think that this off season 
is going to be a good one for this team where they have, and I know there's a lot of people who were, Oh, I don't think it's going to happen. You know, and I get it. It's been a really trying year and, and maybe you don't want to hear more conjecture or whatever, but I really do think that Ray Shiro with a ton of cap space and a ton of picks is going to make himself better. Is going to make this team better where you know that the expansion draft is going to come into it. You know that the salary cap comes into it for teams as well. I think he's going to find ways to absolutely make this team better, which, you know, something more, you know, think of, sure, that you could you could call the Taylor Hall and Adam Larson trade somewhat of a, you know, a wash, if you want to call it that way. Um, you know, the Kyle Palmieri deal for a couple picks, that was a plus. I think that's that's along the lines of what we're, we're going to see this team get better. Also, moving into next year, there's going to be a new crop of prospects that are going to try to make this team, and Though we don't know how many of them are going to make the team, I think there's a good chance that you see some new faces. You know, Michael McLeod, Spears, who was up here for a little bit, Colton White, I think another guy that could really surprise, uh, and the list goes on. So I think that is where you should be excited about because, look, at the end of the day, and I've said this how many times, teams that win Stanley Cups in this day and age win with their own drafted players because you control their contracts at first for a while with RFA status and all that. Uh, and then you're able to sign them, and especially now that you can give them the extra year, it helps. So I, I think that's really what it comes down to: is you want to win with with your guys, and and those guys are starting to get here. And you know, Pavel Zaka should be better next year. Even Damon Severson, who's played well at the end of the season this year, could be someone who takes another step forward, and so on and so forth. So I do think if if you if you boil it down to three reasons why things didn't work out as well as as we might have expected. I think there's three things. One, the goaltending, which was superb last year, took some dips. I still think Corey Schneider battled extremely well, and Keith Kincaid played played excellently at times this year. But in terms of the goaltending level of every single night, it wasn't quite there. You know, Corey flat out stole some games last year that maybe propped up their their win total. That you know, if if he didn't play absolutely out of his mind. You know, and he played very well instead, this would be the point total. You know, they had 84 last year, whatever, it's going to be 70, 71, or 72 this year, uh, you know, coming into tonight. You could certainly make the case that a couple of pucks, you know, that are saved either way, you know, by, by a really, really hot goaltender could be 84 points. So that, that's kind of the way I look at it. And then I think defensively, there's a, there's a disconnect between the way they want to play offensively and what they do defensively. And that's why... I think they're, they're, they need to figure out puck movers in the offseason because we see the, the system that John Hines wants to play, which is with speed and and attacking and, and getting through neutralized very quickly. That's great. I love that. I think that's where the league is going. The problem is you need defensemen that can get you the puck there. And it's something I've said a bunch of times, Jeff, and I'll say it again. It's not just puck movers. It's puck winners. If you don't win the puck in the corner or, or create a turnover, you can't make the breakout pass. I don't care how, how good of a passer you are. If you're not winning the puck, you can't pass it. So I think that's something that the Devils need to work on. You know, find find some guys perhaps in the offseason or guys who can not only win pucks but with speed rush the puck and make a good breakout pass. And that's, that's what they want to do offensively. But unfortunately, 
I think they made that decision to kind of slow things down and it helped. They kind of got back into things. But you saw that in the beginning of the year. How many icings did we see from this team where they're trying to make a long pass and they just couldn't hit it? And that's an area they need to improve on to play the system that they want. And I think that, you know, you add, you add some offensive defensemen onto this team, you know, whether it's however through the draft or, or free agency or a trade. I think you'll see a big difference in the, in the offensive numbers for the forwards as well. I think the numbers go hand-in-hand. Hand. Uh, and then I think also, Jeff, one more point here. I think the forward depth was an issue too. And we look. I remember having our shows early on in the year and saying, wow, this team is way deeper than last year. And though that started to happen because we saw guys like Stefan Nason and Bo Bennett and even if you want to throw Pavel Zaka into that mix for times that he was playing, you know, third line. We did start to see a little bit of depth scoring, but considering that I think we went into the season, especially looking at Vernon Fiddler and saying, wow, he's he's as steady as they come as a fourth-line center, the, the, the depth scoring was an area that needed to improve, and it really didn't. And, and that is something that they will need to continue to work on. And, and it's funny, when, when you look at a rebuild, a lot of times you think of, oh, I need my top-flight players, I need my big guys – you know, look at Edmonton. They they had to find depth uh, to to get where they are now. Even even with Connor McDavid, and depth is going to be something that's going to put you over the top eventually. Uh, and, and though it's it's important to find you know your big guns for the future, it's also important to find your depth. And that wasn't something that the Devils had with any sort of consistency this year in terms of the forwards. And I think that hurt because at, at certain times it was only a few guys scoring. Uh, and, and to be a team that's going to put up that third goal, that fourth goal, uh, on more nights than not, you need the depth scoring. So you, you put all those things together, and that's where you're at. And I think the one other thing, though, that I know exists, but people don't want to talk about it is, I think the rest of the league, in terms of where they are and where they've drafted and where they're going, just the way that the cyclical things of the NHL go, I think teams were ahead of the Devils. And I know that's a weird comment, but... We see other teams, even Philadelphia, who who has a, a bunch of draft picks on defense, and you know they've been marginally better. Columbus finally is, is you know they they had all their guys healthy, the guys that they've drafted for a while healthy. Uh, you know even a team like Buffalo has had a lot more draft picks. Toronto people are oh they made the playoffs, yeah. They've had a few years of really good drafting, and they got Austin Matthews. So I, I think the rest of the league in terms of their draft picks from years prior starting to pan out on top of getting these really high picks. That's what the difference was. We're, I, I know we always look everything under the lens of the Devils, but I think sometimes you have to look at the rest of the league and where they are in terms of their development and the players that they've drafted and such. So maybe that's just one other reason why. But in the same regard, within a year, maybe two years, that's when the Devils are going to start to reap the benefits of all their, their draft picks. So... You know, it's something that is cyclical and does change. I just think maybe this year, among everything else, was the fact that a lot of other teams were ahead of the Devils in terms of their development of some guys. But that can change quickly. Game 82 tonight. The New Jersey Devils, 28-39-14. and 14. The Detroit Red Wings, 32-36-13. and 13. 5 p.m. Eastern, note the time. A little bit different time there. 5 p.m. Eastern. The final game at Joe Louis Arena. If you want to watch the game today, it's on MSG Plus 2, and you have both audio options available. It's on the One Jersey Network 
and WFAN. So the Devils taking on the Red Wings tonight. Devils are 16, 14, and 3 in all time in season closing games. And in those final road games, they are 11, 17, and 5. And of course, this completes the the 18th set of back-to-backs for the Devils. Devils have been better in the back-to-back uh, part of the, the second part of the back-to-back. 7, 6, and 4. Devils all-time at Joe Louis Arena, 13-19-2. And, and, of course, this is the third game between the Devils and the Red Wings this season. Devils fell 5-4 in overtime right around Thanksgiving, November 25th at Prudential Center. But they won 4-3 in that weird game where the Devils almost blew a big lead on January 31st. And when the Devils were still thinking playoffs at that point, if everybody remembers back that far, uh, they won 4-3 on January 31st. Uh, in Detroit. Devils, uh, before this game, 7-12-4 against the Atlantic. They are 18-28-7 against the Eastern Conference. So Dave, we're, you know, we're going to kind of pass on talking about the, the game here a little bit, and we're going to talk about Joe Louis Arena a little bit, and boy, what a legendary uh, building, and not just hockey there, so many events that took place, and you know, you could, you could list all the things that have come through there, whether it's... Um, you know, sports entertainment, whether it's concerts, whatever the case, there's been so many, you know, that arena's been around. I think, if I read it correctly, it was the second oldest building hockey-wise uh, next to Madison Square Garden. I mean, it's just been around forever, and uh, I know it's got some character to it, but they're going to move into a what sounds like a pretty excellent building next year, uh, Little Caesars Arena which I believe is uh, somewhere in the neighborhood there. Um, but Joe Louis Arena, I mean, especially for Devils fans, you know, we gave you the numbers there. The Devils don't have a winning record there, but I don't think anybody's going to forget anytime soon the Devils going in there in 1995 and taking games one and two. I mean, there is some special memories in that building, especially game two. You know, Scott Niedermeyer, you know, throwing that puck off the end wall against Paul Coffey and then picking up his his own rebound and, and stashing it in the back of the net. And, of course, if everyone remembers, and everyone should remember, uh, the Devils won game two by a, a late goal. The game-winning goal was by a, a New Jersey guy, Jim Dowd, who, uh, who was from Brick, New Jersey at the time. So, And, of course, they won game one. I believe Claude Lemieux had the game-winning goal on that one. Uh, and then, I mean, what, what a time. You know, and I don't remember it as well because I was a pretty – I was a lot younger guy. But those two games, you know, and everyone was feeling good about that 95 run at the time. You know, you take care of Boston in five. You win, uh, you know, you win three road games uh, in Philly. And before that, you know, you, you take care of Pittsburgh in, in five games. You know, everyone was feeling pretty good. The Devils were rolling at that point. You know, but the Red Wings had, uh, you know, they were the best team in the West that year. Uh, you know, it's been a long time since they won a cup. You knew they were going to be hungry. And for the Devils to go in there and win the first two games, you know, I can't remember what it was like, you know, print-wise, what it was like on the radio, or what the fan base was like at that time. I was only, you know, I'm trying to remember exactly how old I was. I was uh, seven years old, so I don't totally, I remember, I remember watching the games, but I don't remember all the buzz and the hoopla and uh, what it was like in the surrounding areas uh, like you would nowadays with all the access we have to uh, to kind of read about or, or see about all that stuff, but uh I'm sure those games, you know, I think everyone would have been happy with a split or people might have been expecting the Devils to come home down to nothing. Uh, To go in there and win those two games, I mean, those are memorable games. I mean, it put the Devils on the hot track to winning that Stanley Cup. I mean, you go go into Detroit and win two games. I don't know what the confidence was like fan base-wise at the time, but I can't imagine many people thought they were going to lose the series after that. Whether it was sweeping it like they did or 
piecing together four more wins in the next five games somehow. I think everybody had to be feeling pretty good. So uh, for nothing else, uh, we'll always have, you know, Joe Louis Arena will always have that memory for us, uh, us Devils fans, is uh, capturing games one and two in, in 1995 and setting on the uh, a great party in late June of 1995. So uh, Joe Louis Arena, what a building it was, and us Devils fans will always have a special place in our hearts for uh, Joe Louis Arena for those two two games specifically. Yeah, the the Joe is a special place, and it really does stand as the last of the great old arenas, especially, you know, even with Rexall, which certainly had history closing last year. You know, the garden has changed so many times and been upgraded and all that, that I don't know. I don't know if you can really count it as, you know, it is the same place, but it's, it's changed a lot uh, where, you know, the Joe has been such a staple and, and, you know, Detroit, which has gone through all its struggles and everything for them to now get this chance to have this new arena, you know, it is pretty cool to to honor their fans that have that have really been, you know, there for so long with such a great a great franchise. But yeah, going back to '95, it, it's it's amazing. I mean, I, I was young. I was, I guess, seven or uh, I mean, I'm a year, I'm about a year younger than Jeff. So whatever he had said, I can't even remember exactly how old I was. But um, I remember watching and thinking, oh man, like knowing that Detroit was really good, you know, and thinking to myself. Uh, Oh, this place is going to be really tough, or I don't know if they're going to win there, and 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 then the fact that they only went there twice and came out with a victory was unbelievable. I mean, if you ask any Detroit fan, if, if you had told them that they're going to play twice at the Joe, and that series would be over, they'd go, "Up, oh, I guess we swept." Well, that wasn't the case. So, yeah, you know, that was kind of where where the uh, the mini dynasty, if you want to call it that, of, of the Devils in the 90s and 2000s, at least in terms of playoff appearances and being, you know, a, a real contender every year started. And, you know, as an NHL purist, uh, I, I love I love seeing the history of these buildings. And certainly with the Red Wings, there's a ton of history. So, I'm sure they're going to do a really good job of closing it out and you know, everyone's going to be there, all the former greats and all that. And it's kind of sad to see it go. You know, new arenas are nice. Don't get me wrong. You know, you look at the rock as compared to continental, it's a great building, but you know, there, there's history in some of these buildings and it's, it's tough to, to lose some of that stuff just to, you know, maybe add some more seats somewhere or some more luxury boxes or, or that kind of thing. I get it. Sports is a business, but Sometimes it takes away your home, and I'll admit, for me, I feel that way about about Giant Stadium. You know, I don't get me wrong; I love the Rock compared to Continental, but Giant Stadium was kind of my building. I don't like MetLife at all, and I'm sure there's a lot of Red Wings fans that are going to feel that way about about their uh, their new building. Is, is that it's not the Joe? It's not where all these memories were made. So you know, it's kind of sad to see it close out, but look, just just hope for a good game, I guess, and 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 enjoy some of the pregame stuff that I'm sure. MSG will certainly show regardless, uh, just because it, it is a classic building that's really the last one standing in the NHL. Yeah, and it's awesome, great moments. Uh, you know, the Stanley Cup, and they, you know, that's the thing. It's not like the Devils, you know, totally killed all the memories there. You know, they they, they went and won four cups after the the Devils series. And yeah, you know, go, going back to that real quick, if you know if the Devils had dropped one of the games in con in uh, in Continental or Brendan Byrne at the time, if they lost either Game Three or Game Four. Um, who knows that game five back of the Joe might have could have re-swung the series so to speak, and maybe we're not talking about a Devils championship. I think that's how, uh, if you will, to quote a former Devil coach, how tough of a building 
it was to play in. So uh, hopefully that'll be a hopefully it'll be a fun game to watch. There'll be a lot of memories, I'm sure. Uh, just speaking about the game itself, I'm sure it's going to be a tough game for the Devils to win. Uh, I can't imagine uh, it's going to be a um, an easy one because the Red Wings, I'm sure, are going to come out flying. So okay, I think that's going to wrap it up here for uh, for us on Devils Tailgate. Uh, it has been a fun season. It's been uh, you know, and, and you know, and one other thing. Thanks to the uh, the players who were so good to us. Not only did you know um, the guys were most guys were either uh, happy to do it, excited to do it, or they were true professionals along the way with all the players we interviewed. And you know, you guys are you guys know the names of all the guys we we had along the way. You know, we had some of the star players. We had just about every young player, every young player you wanted to know about this year. You know, we we got along the way. I don't think we you know anyone who made his NHL debut or who was a young prospect who had been up a, a little bit last year, uh, last season and, and played this year. Uh, we pretty much got to talk to everyone we wanted to along the way and it was, uh, it was a great job. So many thanks to all the players who came on. Some of those guys came on uh, twice with us. So it was nice of them to, you know, they're such busy guys, you know, they're, they're, they're such routine, finely tuned guys. And, you know, for them to take, you know, 10, 15 minutes out of the day to spend some time with us. Uh, we really appreciated that along the way. So many thanks to everyone who made this, this production, this product, this uh, this show, Devil's Tailgate, not only a possibility but a success. And many thanks to everyone who listened along the way. I mean, you know, there's so much nowadays. There, you know, over the last little bit, there's so much Devil's content out there to consume, or, or just to consume in general. Not even Devil stuff. Maybe your the Devils aren't your number one team. Maybe there's uh, other things that are priorities for you, whether it's sports or entertainment uh, that are above the Devils. But you know, if you made this a part of your uh, a part of your game day experience, we we can't thank you enough, and thanks so much for so much for joining us along the way. It's been a fun season. Not sure what the future holds, but uh, hang tight, uh, hang tight over the summer there, and uh, hopefully we're talking to you in some capacity when we get back uh, when we get back to hockey in the fall. So uh, again, this is Devils Tailgate presented by Devils Insiders, a New Jersey Devils game day podcast. For Dave Turner, I'm Jeff O'Connor. Let's go Devils! Not just today, but always. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you around the bend. Bye-bye, folks.